Welcome to the Tailoring Talk Show with me, your host, Roberto Rivilla. I'm a bespoke tailor, menswear designer, and owner of Roberto Rivilla London Suit and Shirt Makers. This is the podcast where you drop in for the threads, but often leave with something quite unexpected. If you haven't already, please support the show by subscribing. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please help me out by leaving a rating and a review. Today, I have a little eavesdrop episode for you. Recorded in Seymour Place at the tip of London's Mayfair, Richard Gore, who regular listeners will recognise as a good friend and client of mine, was visiting London one hot and sunny Saturday in July, and we made a day of it together. Just two friends, aka a tailor and his client, having a drink in the sun, shooting the breeze. Greatest Bond themes, The Godfather and why the suit went from being a daily staple are among the things we talked about. Enjoy. I bet. And sometimes you did gigs where sometimes it was just standard, it was alright but nothing happened. Others it was horrible. But then every now and then you do it and you just play one song and it would work. Just straight away um, I often used to ask um, like Matron of Honor was there a song at your on your hen night was there something that you got up and danced on the tables to because I'll play that and then after that all the bridesmaids love you and the bride loves you and it doesn't matter if nobody else does because she does and that's all that counts yeah it was so good so I was um, I was thinking about our uh little text message exchange the other day where you know you asked me if it was premature to yeah tell you what my top three Bond songs of all time were and it is so damn hard because you know on the way down I was listening to that yep. playlist and um, the, the the song that came on just as I came across the border into Marlebone on yep. the Vesper was Diamonds Are Forever yep and that song is just incredible. I don't know what the film's like, because I haven't seen it yet, obviously. That's next weekend. But um, the way that it just... It, the way that it starts, um, and then the bass guitar kicks in, there's just so much gravity and emotion. Yeah. And it's just like having, you know, had the ending that we had to On Her Majesty's Secret Service, it listening to that song detached from the film yep. makes my imagination anyway just run wild like you know this yeah. could be an absolute cold-blooded revenge thriller whatever I'm probably not going to get that not with but, Roger Moore uh, well no it's not it's Sean oh, Connery it's isn't Connery, it Connery isn't it yeah but um, I, 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 I kind of almost am wondering about swapping out Duran Duran for that instead yes you should you absolutely should. <laughs> you, you very nearly got. Um, <laughs> you very nearly got. Instead of, well, these are my top three. No, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard, though. Um, it's hard but, to pick but, the best three. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not hard to pick the worst three. And Duran Duran would probably be in that worst three. Okay, I'm a big eighties fan. I've got, I really like that song. That and the Aha one. Aha is brilliant. Aha. 
But then AHA are brilliant, mm. full soul. Um, something we're showing us on TV. But, I mean, forget about the twist of the song. It was interesting that out of three, we both picked two Roger Moore yeah. era songs. Um, but it is very, very hard. You know, I think I'd rather be asked, what's your top ten? That would be easier, because then yes. I wouldn't have to leave things out. Yeah. But then there's a really underrated song that I, uh, I forgot about that was on the soundtrack to Tomorrow Never Dies by K.D. Lang called Surrender. Okay. Which is very underrated. Yeah. Very underrated. Of course, it has the problem of not being the theme. So people often, it doesn't get it, included on records and no, stuff like that. No, well, I think, I mean, the only place you'll find it is on the, the, full the actual film, full soundtrack. film soundtrack. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know, I need to look it, I mean, we'll look into it when we get to that film in yeah. three years' time or whatever. Um, I really want to step it up to two a month, but anyway. Um, but I don't know, because obviously the theme for that song was the Cheryl Crow song. Yep. Which, as much as I love Cheryl Crow, that song was maybe slightly awkward. Yep. Not as awkward as Madonna's... Uh, yes, nah. See, I like Madonna's one. It's not the best. But I like it. I think it works when you're watching the credits. Yes. The opening credits yes. and everything, all the torture and stuff that he's going through. Yes. But in isolation, it's a little bit... No, as a standalone song, it's not that great. No. And, and that's, why, that's why when I messaged you, I said, what are your favourite songs? Not necessarily the best themes, because, um, for instance, I think Skyfall is probably the best Bond theme there has ever been. Um, just well that's not fair because it came with so much history but it ties in beautifully with things like Goldfinger it's got that atmosphere it's theatrical it's big um, you know, it could almost be a Jim Steinman track because yeah. it's that big um, and I think it works great as a Bond theme but it's not my favourite song I, I love it because it reminds me of the film and I still love Skyfall yeah um, but yeah I don't I think Skyfall's a fantastic theme, but it's not my favourite song. See, I, I would then, if we're going down that line of conversation, I would put Billie Eilish's No Time To Die up there. Because, A, you take her age, her and her brother, what they did with that song. Yeah. I mean, it must have been... I, I think I, I heard an interview with her where, I think initially when they were sort of given the brief, it was a bit intimidating and daunting yeah but you, if you listen to that song layer by layer you can really um, you can really see the amount of research and attention to detail that went in and the respect for the entire franchise that yeah. had gone before and and the, the back catalogue of songs that have gone before yeah because there are just little themes of I mean there's everything in there there's Diamonds Are Forever there's the original Monty Norman theme there's there's absolutely everything Who, who's just died I know yeah no so, that's right you told me yeah. yeah tell you who else has just died and moving away from Bond ever so slightly and that's James Kane who played James Kahn James Kahn who played not um, the Dragon's Den guy no <laughs> Sonny Corleone and more to the point the dad in Elf. Yeah, I know. I was about to say, Sonny Corleone, you know, forget that. Elf's yeah. dad. Yeah, that's right. Buddy's dad. In which, in which he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and just channeled some of Corleone in there. Um, but I, I re-watched Godfather after 
um, after reading the book. And there's so much that's missed out of the film because, I mean, a first two films you have to watch to get most of the book, and there's still a whole load of stuff that's missed out. So the Godfather, the novel is. Is that the three films put together? No, it's the two films. It's the two. Um, because the third one is not the book at all. Um, but there's so much that goes... And it's not... It, when does, um, when does uh, Marlon Brando's character die? Is it the end of the second one? When no, he sort of falls down? And is it the end of the first one? It's the end of the first one. And then Michael takes over. Um, and then Michael dies at the end of the third one. Yeah. Because he dies on the bench in the sort of vineyard or wherever it is yeah. in Italy. But that isn't that isn't in the book. Um, there's so much that goes on in the book um, that's alluded to in the film. Um, and when I rewatch it, I get a better appreciation of James Caan's acting because he, he is able to get those references that are in the book. When you watch the film, it looks like he's read the book to know why he's doing the acting that he's doing, even though that's not then later referenced in the film. It's, it's, an, ama- it's an amazing book. Yeah. I've read it once, but it's just fantastic. And there's so much stuff that was real life, um, like uh, Johnny Fontaine, the singer, is Sinatra. Sinatra got up in the middle of a restaurant and punched Mario Puzo because he recognised himself in the book. Oh, uh, well... Wow, it's a fantastic story. Um, By the way, have you been? You haven't been to Christie's yet, have you? No, haven't. You been still? To is that still on your sort of list of things to do yeah, today? I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm easy. I'm. I'm thinking. You know, when I was younger, I did. I tell you, I used to wear a hat, like a Frank Sinatra style. You were the guy in the hat. I was the guy in the hat. Yeah, yeah. three-piece suit, and I used to wear it with attitudes. You know, a little tilt. I've started doing that with my trilby now. Yeah. Um, I, I like my trilby, it's too hot to wear my trilby now, um, but I I picked up a Panama off the street market in Malta, um, and it was 10 euros, and it did the job. In fact, there's a great picture of me lying on a boat um, yeah. in one of my one of your linen shirts um, with my Panama on, and I went, actually, yes, it's just a 10 quid hat I picked up out of the market, and it's really nice. It didn't survive the trip back home in the suitcase. But um, I fancy a Panama. Yeah. Just, I mean, a, I don't have any hair, um, and when my head burns, it just makes the whole of me hot. So yeah, a hat's a good idea. Yeah. And they're class. Exactly. So cool. And also, not you know, people just don't wear them anymore. No. So you know, someone's got to uh, you know try and inspire someone else. Yeah. Um, it is really, really hot today, but I don't oh, even know. So, so you're wearing linen, so you're yeah. fabric appropriate. And I'm not wearing linen because my linen stuff's not really ready. Um, also, I ripped the back of my tan linen jacket on my Brompton. <laughs> it's got like the centre back seam. It's not completely torn, but oh. it's just pulled enough. Yeah. So I need to get it taken in uh, yeah, to I was gonna say, that's sort of hide the damage. But so I, but I couldn't wear that today because I knew that you were going to be wearing one of mine and yes, that would be know, a bit matchy. I, need to, I needed to be on a par. But you know, even in this grey flannel, it's really lightweight. Yeah. Well, to be fair, um, I mean, my um, Dorme. No. Rona. The other 
the Barbarous. Barbarous. Um, I do notice the difference in weight between the two. Oh, those things are like feathers. They are. Um, and yes, I wear it with a waistcoat most of the time because I wear a waistcoat when I'm working. Um, that's my kind of... That's how I step up the smartness for work, is put my waistcoat on, wear my pocket watch, and then weekends, I'll just drop the waistcoat. Um, but that means I can still wear a tie. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, and they're amazing. You notice it with the trousers more than anything, um, because especially these. And when I'm walking along, yes, if I'm sitting down and the sun's my back, yes, I'll get hot. But the second there's a breeze, and because of the open weave of the fabric, I just feel the breeze straight yeah. away. And I'm like, it's like air conditioning. Yeah, it's amazing. I absolutely love my linens. I really do. In fact, dinner suit, that'll take us probably until the end of this year, and then we can start looking at another linen one ready for the next summer, because I need to wear them more often. Oh, yeah. and, and I need another five linen shirts, because in the summer, they're perfect. Yeah. And wash them a couple of times, and they're so soft. And, and they look beautiful for at least 10 minutes after I've put them on. Because yeah. the crease is razor sharp, and then it falls out. And it, but it's, it's a bit like we had a conversation a while ago about old money and how a patched barber says that you have more money than a brand new barber. Um, and it's a bit the same with my, my linen, I think, in that actually that slightly crumpled look is exactly what you should be getting it for. It doesn't have to be razor sharp creases and perfect It shows that you're comfortable in it and that it's not something and that you're wearing it rather than you are the suit wearing you. Exactly. That's it. Um, you've got a new fan by the way. Oh, really? um, yeah, one of my Instagram followers messaged to say that he'd listened to your episode. Okay. And he absolutely loved it. Oh, great. Um, and that's also, I think, made him a fan of the podcast as well. Brilliant. But I think yours was the first one that he, he heard, so yes. there you go. Well done. <laughs> he hasn't heard you on the Bond one yet. But... <laughs> uh, I'll probably turn people off. What's he talking about? The best film. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Has he seen any of the others? It's um, On a Majesty Secret Service, it's just... The theme's perfect. Diana Rigg is perfect. He gets married. You find out the world is not enough. You know, I love Lazen Beer's boss. I think he could have been one of the greats. You find out that Chinese girls only eat rice and Indian and, girls and, only eat chapatis and, and black girls, girls only eat bananas. bananas. I mean, oh my God. Yeah, really. I think I'd like a supercut of that film just without those bits and yeah. the psychedelic stuff as well. And then yeah. it would actually be a fantastic for me it would be a fantastic one film yes as I say the only thing for me that's missing from it and yes I agree you can take that bit out um, but the only thing that's missing from it is um, a fight on the train yes I, 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 I'm baffled with this I'm not about that. was involved in when he was in uni because he went to City um, and <laughs> we got we got into London and he went and we'd left before my mum got home from work and he went 
Mum hasn't got any keys. Uh, rang the house, no answer. And you went, she's locked out. And she, this is, this was Saturday morning, so it was the first night of working nights of three nights that weekend. Like, we gotta go home and let her in. So we came all the way back home again. In the meantime, my mum had rang my auntie who lives in Swindon, and my auntie had driven from Swindon, picked up my mum, driven her home again, and then drove her back to Newport. But, um, yeah, so for me, going by train always meant going somewhere. You know, it was always exciting. Yeah. Going over on the ferry to the Isle of Wight, because my dad would take us out so my mum could sleep. And, um, yeah, it was always by train. For me, going on long-distance long train journeys, especially when I've got luggage with me and stuff, I'm, like, I take on a different, more sophisticated persona. Than <laughs> I have. But it's probably partly because I grew up on a diet of... Yeah, right. <laughs> the Bond films where yeah. he was always on the train. He was always point. on the train. <laughs> We're trying to be ready for action just in case Jules did kind of. Yeah, pop that's up, right. You know? Talking of which, I walked past Swain Adney. Um, in, they're in Burlington Arcade now. They don't have prices on their stuff. So that shows how expensive they are. Yeah. I still need to go to End Peel um, for the uh, No Time to Die military outfit but there's somewhere that James is going to take us to um, and I thought of you as soon as James recommended it to me because I think I told him that I was doing the Bond podcast with you and he went Rich I'll take you to and it's a hotel where Fleming invented the Vespa Martini and he went and you only have one unless you have just remortgaged he went, but uh, it's an experience you went and they come out to you and make the martini. Oh, wow. You went, so where, um, do you know where it is? No, where I can't remember the name. Oh, okay. He, he did tell me. We could probably Google it. That's not as exciting. Why do you think, because um, again, you've got me on this whole sort of, you can wear a suit seven days a week. Okay. But, which is something that, you know, in the era, you think back to the old sort of great movie stars like Cary Grant and so on, um, you know, they seem to wear a suit pretty much all the time, like 24-7. Yeah. But why do you think we lost that? Because I, was, I remember when I recorded with another tailor early in the podcast that, you know, he was saying the problem was in the early 70s with the advent of... Um, you know, the introduction of technical fabrics and sportswear, and that's where it all started to kind of go downhill. But I, uh, I don't know if it's actually more in the sort of mentality of, of people, or did tailoring become less affordable, because obviously it was more affordable back in the day. I don't know where it all just... I, th- I think it's a combination of lots of things. Because um... I'm sitting here, and people say, you know, people say, oh, I'm not going to wear a like wear a suit at the weekend are you absolutely crazy it's, it's not comfortable and I'm like it's probably not comfortable because everybody likes their stuff super fitted and stuff but I'm sitting here in high waisted single pleat trousers my jacket's quite like a Connery suit and I feel more comfortable in this than I do if I was in jeans and a t-shirt and I'm not just saying that it's because what because of what I do I mean I make my own jeans anyway but I don't know I just feel maybe it's because of the way the suit flatters and so on I can't really feel it on anyway and I'm yeah. wearing braces yeah um, I need more braces by the way um, I'm wearing uh, one of the perennial tech shirts 
that you love so much. I, I, we're in the ones with the two-way stretch on the other side of the folder. Yep. Oh my God, these are my favourite. And it was it took me about 30 seconds to iron it. But look, this this is not, it looks like it's come out of the packet, right? Yeah. No, it hasn't. I've worn this so many times. I, I love them. I, uh, and yeah, basically, if you think, oh, it's Christmas or whatever, or if I, any second that you think, I think we should make Rich a shirt, just pick one that I haven't already got. It doesn't really matter. Even if it's a style that I go, mm, not sure about that, I'll work out a way to fit it into my wardrobe, and I might not wear it as much as my others, but it'll get worn. Yeah. Um, in terms of um, people not wearing stuff, there's been lots of stuff. Gentleman's Gazette. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of their stuff on YouTube. Um, there's a guy called Raphael Schneider, who's German but lives in America. Um, and they do lots of stuff about when did stop men stop wearing ties? When did men stop that? And it's all basically the same question of when did we um, stop dressing up? What is now considered dressing up, but in the day was just called getting dressed. Yeah. Um, and one of the things they mentioned was um, 60s and the cultural revolution that happened in the 60s. And so up until that point, everybody wore a suit. And that meant that in the 60s, everybody in power wore a suit. Um, so you rebel against the establishment. So it was almost like an anarchic kind of yeah. um, finger up yes. to the establishment. By, by wearing jeans and things like that. Um, and then the other thing that um, I think happened... Well, everybody blames... Um, JFK for the demise of the hat saying oh he didn't wear one at his inauguration he did and the guy who went in who was present before him wore one as well because JFK was wearing um, but I don't know I think Burton's have probably got something to do with it because um, you're quite right in that um, proper tailoring everybody had before Burton's, everybody had to go to a proper tailor to get measured. And because there were lots of customers, it was cheap. Then Burton's came in and bought ready, um, ready to wear and off the rack. Um, so, and then the off the rack suits don't fit as well. And they're not as good quality necessarily. You could, yes, you can get, I mean, you can buy um, Barbaris fabric off the rack suits. So yeah, you can buy great cloth, but they won't, they'll be, they won't fit that great because they're made to an average yeah um, made for you that's right so so bespoke tailoring became more expensive because there are fewer customers and it became more um, niche um, and then as people bought off the rack suits it was still a case of but then they're not fitting properly so then they're not as comfortable and they're using probably oh, cheaper fabrics yeah, yeah. and then yeah and then you get this idea that Thank you so much for eavesdropping in on Richard and I this episode. Don't forget that Tailoring Talk is now on Instagram at Tailoring Talk Podcast. And you know I love feedback, so you can also email the show directly at tailoringtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate and review. You can also click the share button in your player to send the show on to people you know. If you're enjoying Tailoring Talk and feel compelled to throw some change our way and support the show, you can now buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Roberto Rivilla. Have a great week and I'll see you on the next one.